I'm Dan Walters. And I'm Anthony Peters. This is the No Ideas Podcast. Welcome to the show. This is episode four of the No Ideas Podcast. Uh, Today's episode is with the wonderful Super Mundane. Absolutely lovely chap. Yeah, we had a great day with him, didn't we? So we travelled up to Forest Hill yeah. uh, on the train, and yet again we were talking so much and so excited, we actually missed our stop this time. Came back on ourselves, finally got to the studio, we weren't late, we're, we're never late. Um, and then as we were setting things up, we uh, I was setting everything up, Dan was having a nose around, and then we were, before we even pressed record, we'd managed to get like a couple of songs and a poem or something. It was, yeah. It was incredible. And a little tune on a drone instrument that Rob had in his uh, in his studio. Just amazing. Which is amazing. There was so amazing much stuff to look at, wasn't there? Um, and he also told us we could judge him by his book collection, so we, we went ahead and did that. We did. And we got some <laughs> pictures as well, proof. Yeah. Some good poetry in there, if you like poetry. Yeah, so we, so we had a great chat. Um, talked about him growing up in the Midlands, uh, visiting rock festivals with his nan, and uh, his amazing mural work. We tried to keep the shows quite concise, Sometimes we just get such a good interview that we leave pretty much everything in. So this one's not really edited and it's a bit longer than your usual show. So make yourself comfortable and enjoy the show. Ready for the intro. Okay. Super Mundane is the alter ego of artist, art director and graphic designer Rob Lowe. He's art directed some incredible magazines including Anorak, Little White Lies and Sleaze Nation. His commercial clients include Arts Council England, Apple, The V&A, Wallpaper, Penguin and The Guardian. And his instantly recognisable prints, murals and artworks can be found in galleries and public spaces across the UK and beyond. And if you ask him nicely, he may just serenade you with a typographic sonnet or a song. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Rob. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, that sounds exactly me in a nutshell. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. <laughs> and uh, you don't, you don't have to ask me nicely. Nobody's ever asked me to actually sing a song. <laughs> I, just, I just do it. Well, you've already sung us one. A little you bit have already that. heard one, yeah. So, um, but you never know. There might I might spontaneously <laughs> burst into song at any point. It's a, which is what what keeps the show on edge. I think. Yeah. That's why. That's why people listen. They want to know. If anyone's actually going to burst into song, <laughs> sing about something ordinary or every day. I do have new, I've got a new song as well. Okay. Which is uh, called, We're All Gonna Die, <laughs> in brackets, That's and that's okay. Amazing. Okay. So I like using brackets on the songs. And yeah, it's uh, it's actually amazingly joyful, <laughs> song. It's, it kind of, you, the title starts a panic and then the brackets yes, yeah. spells the panic. I feel like, you know, we... It is an inevitability. We should maybe start to uh, accept that. And I I sang it for the first time up in Aberdeen recently, and um, I was there is a bit which could be a sing along bit, which is just (laughs) uh, half the people sing "We're All Going to Die" and the other half retort with, uh, and that's okay. But I didn't feel like it was um, that we're ready for that. (laughs) But I'm I'm going to do it in I'm going to LA in October. And Amazing. I'm, I'm going to do it there. <laughs> you should get like a little local choir and see if they can I mean, do it would the, be nice. have the round on it. Yeah. Amazing. It's actually, yeah. I can already hear that round. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 it's nice. 
It's got a good tune. <laughs> Catchy. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to not sing. I know. Well, we, we, if, you, if, you, if you feel like it at any point later, yeah. on, or just, let, just let us know. It's We're always happy just, to oblige. There's a few. Uh, but that was probably, yeah. Anyway. But it's, yeah. Do you write these, like, just wonder, wandering around? Or are you just, like... So I wrote one about um, the battery life on telephone. That's the first one, uh, um, which was a panicky kind of... Um, song about things running out, running out of time. I mean, it wasn't meant to be existential, but actually thinking about it now, <laughs> it's. <laughs> was it from the perspective of the device? Or... No, no, it was about kind of. I'd, I'd sing it going, uh, yeah, I'm down to twenty percent. It's only lunchtime. <laughs> I'm not going to make it through the afternoon. And then I just says, anyone got an iPhone charger? I go, no, that's for a four. I've got a five. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. And then the end would, I'd go down counting the seconds. Until I get halfway through the last bit and I cut off the keyboard and stuff. <laughs> Amazing. Anyway, so that just Amazing. came to me, and then I wrote the one about Kerning on the way back from Scotland. It's kind of just high on success. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and then they don't come very often. I've, I've written four in. Uh... And you just wait for them to sort of emerge. Yeah, yeah. Or... I, I can't force them, else it would be. Do you ever chuckle to yourself? When, just when, when, when they emerge, when these songs emerge, do you ever uh, think that's, that's brilliant? I think, uh, yeah, I th- the um, the one about, I can't believe we're going to take all the time talking about my songs, but um, the, the the one about we're all going to die, the, the, the bit, it's about we're all made, everything connects, we're all made of atoms, just the same as a chair or a hair or a wig you might wear on your head. To look younger, but it's futile because we're all going to die. So I have pictures to go with them, and then then I giggle at things like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's a that's absolutely amazing. Yeah, they're so, kind of the battery life one and the we're all going to die one. They do have crossover in thematic. They crossover. do, and then the other two that I've got are about type they're type related. So. so is that one of the ones that we would have seen online? It's the as Kerning well, song, yeah. yes, yeah, amazing. Is, um, is yeah. it close but never close touching? but never touching? Um, which is yeah, Acapella. That one was because it's got a very, <laughs> <laughs> it's got a very complicated time signature. That one. <laughs> uh, I was doing it in a talk um, once, and the students started clapping along, and I had to tell them to stop. <laughs> just don't put you right. Because kind of, yeah. kind of, if, if it was that simple, if it was just a four-four beat, I would have, <laughs> I'd have a, yeah, yeah, a drum yeah. machine just keeping me. I don't want to be unaccompanied in this. Yes, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> it's more this is very exposing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, which is why I wear a wig and uh, glasses. Does it somewhere. feel like you're stepping into a different persona? Then is it is it easier? Do you get stage? Fright? That's why I say I do it, but it doesn't feel. Like, I mean, it's. Uh, I don't know why I do it. Just because I can. Because nobody ever asks you what you're going to do when you do talks. And then I just thought, <laughs> um, why can't I? I'd, actually, I started with having a, uh, a video of me dancing in slow motion. For, video that I, I was dancing in normal speed it was slowed down and um and then I'd read uh, dystopian uh, <laughs> uh, things about uh, the uh, had one about pa- paper um the history of the physicality of paper nice. like a museum from the future where people would go and look at Harry Potter, well, our Harry Potter yeah. book that was left after all the books were burned as, as a solidarity to paper. Amazing. Are, are you picking up the screaming kids? We are. I'm sure. Yet? I'm sure we are. It's that I haven't got kids in here. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a, there are no, there is there yeah. is a nursery behind my where my studio is, and one that somebody 
sounds like one's having a meltdown. But... Yeah, it's grazed his knee or dropped his just, ice cream or just, something. Just re- realise the pointlessness of futility. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they overheard maybe, what we were talking about. Maybe the world's blown out the window. <laughs> um, oh, it's hard to know where to even go after Sorry, that. Sorry, yeah. That's, no, that's absolutely brilliant. Um, <laughs> so should we start at the beginning? Oh, yeah, I haven't even got a question yet. We're going to go right back to the beginning. Um, and you were born in the 70s in Tamworth near Birmingham. Uh, 14 yeah. miles from Birmingham. Yes, yeah, so 71, the year of decimalisation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just to make me feel really old. And, uh, but a good year for music. Um, and yes, yeah, so I was born in Sutton Coalfield, which right. is now called Royals, the Royal Town of Sutton Coalfield. It wasn't at the time. It's like new you know, new money or something, I don't know. And um, yeah, so I grew up in a, near T- Tamworth in a place called Faisley. Right. And ne- next to a... Uh, um, theme park called Trayton Manor Park, which uh, my mum and dad still live in the same house okay. I grew up in. So they've been there for years and years. They bought it new, and but it's. I recently found out that the the uh, Conservative manifesto was written there. Oh, yeah, because we're the house. not in our house. <laughs> no, in, the, <laughs> in the new build in the sixties. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, in um, Drayton Manor, which was Robert, Sir Robert Peel's uh, gaff. So and he was our uh, member of Parliament, Tamworth. But yeah, it's a funny place in Tamworth. It was like ruined basically in the sixties. Right. It could have been could have been something great. It's very historical. It's like it used to be the capital of Mercia and I won't go into my whole Tamworth <laughs> <laughs> But uh, town planning ruined it basically. Oh. Yeah. Do you get back much? Uh, sorry, no, not as much as I should. <laughs> uh you know, Christmas and birthdays yeah. and things like that. The regular sort of But um yeah, so but that's the only, and my, I've got a a couple of brothers and they both still live there so but that's that's it I don't really know anybody there anymore do you do you think like growing up in this in environment in in the Midlands in the 70s do you think it helped shape who you are or your beliefs or um yeah I think so you, you kind of don't realize it at the time obviously but it's you when I would look I've got a photograph of me um dressed in a Denim jacket and a knockoff Iron Maiden T-shirt with badges all just on one side of the jacket and a, bu- a real bullet belt when I was about ten, <laughs> <laughs> and it was taken by my nan at the Tamworth Rock Festival, and and that picture kind of feels to me like an accumulation of everything that was, that was going on in my life at that point, but also the point where I started to get into what I do now but without realizing because I was I loved all the heavy metal album covers which are all illustrated all like great logos and I was obviously into the stuff that went along with that like Dungeons and Dragons and um, Lord of the Rings and calligraphy bird watching oh, the bird watching bit's not something <laughs> <laughs> but I, was, I liked all that kind yeah. of stuff and uh, and, then, and then coming from the Midlands there's a certain um, self-deprecation mm-hmm. I think we're Absolutely. not we're not we don't really uh so now I don't know if it comes from being so far from the sea, not being able to have a look out and see the world. Yeah, you can't. I was I saw a documentary about Black Sabbath and it was Tony Iommi talking about, you know, they were working in factories with the noise when when they were kind of in making heavy metal. And they say it's not like you can take an acoustic guitar down to the ocean and sing some with a flower in your hair. It's like you, you know, but. And then, but yeah, I, I think it does. Yeah, I mean, it's, but then I've been down here for twenty-two years. So, um, so what's what was like family life like and ch- your childhood like in the? Oh, I've actually gone that deep before asking me. Uh, um, so yeah, so I've got an older brother 
who's four years older than me, and then uh, a younger brother who's seven years younger than me. And we've just, uh, my dad was, um, he worked in a um, GKN, he was like a tool maker. Okay. So, and then my mum was a stay at home mum, and I spent a lot of time with my nans who would buy me. Heavy metal records. Amazing. That's just so amazing. <laughs> she got, uh, she had a knockoff. Uh, knock off stuff actually. You don't realise at the time, and then you the little things. You remember, like I used to love those little pe- pens that you get in um, betting shops. Yeah. And then, but I didn't. Re- My nan had loads of them. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only later on you go. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she used to give me like Chinzano and lemonade. Amazing. And like, I was obsessed with glacier cherries <laughs> and, uh, and lard on toast. Oh, lard on toast. Amazing. And a lot of kind of out, out of date crisps and things Slightly like that. Slightly chewy. Yes, yes, that slight softness. And my granddad used to get, um, they lived near Birmingham, and he used to go get us we used to be able to have cream eggs all through the year because <laughs> you'd get them out of date and they'd be hard in size wow and I thought it could be a hard boiled cream egg I know it could be a thing they could do <laughs> they could do a hard boiled cream egg they're quite I mean, that's, that's my idea that's, uh, <laughs> we're going to apply for the patent on um, yeah so I grew up just you know into uh, with all the stuff in the 70s yeah so I was a cub I was really into that yeah. I was like bird watching uh, I liked Trucks, amazing, <laughs> um, amazing. So I haven't got this. I used to have a CB radio for a while as well. That's incredible. Uh, my, my handle was uh, Alien. Amazing. So it was around the time of Alien. I shouldn't have watched Alien at my age. No, but, um, but I'm pretty sure we did. But in like a copy, so it was really yeah, really fun. Yeah. The... Those were the days. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'd be extra excited. You couldn't quite see it, which made it more scary yes. sometimes. And yeah, so it's weird being able to talk to truckers, random truckers, <laughs> <laughs> uh, truckers um, who were you know quite close by. Cause yeah. We had this big aerial as well. And it's just weird. We hold. My dad had a, a CB with a mag mount on the on the top of the car. Amazing. You know the aerial, and even my mum had a. Uh, handle twinkle twinkle toes. Jukes of hazard. Well, yeah, and we, I used to wear like a um, a body warmer with all CB radio ba- badges all Amazing. over it, like a cap with a Barry. She- I was into Barry Sheen and stuff. Amazing. Stuff. And uh, aviator glasses and. It sounds absolutely totally cool. Yeah, but it probably only lasted for. I mean, CB was only around for about two years and then it just disappeared. I think we often think of the times in our life which we most enjoyed we often think they're about five years yeah. older than they are they're normally like one or two summers but you have so many vivid memories sometimes you think that that was a bigger span of yeah time I, I, than I, it was. yeah i because because the, then i was into i was into two-tone rep, and i used to go to primary school in in like uh black trousers black white shirt amazing and i wanted to shave my head but my mom wouldn't let me so this was like this in the run up to 78, 10, 11. 77, 78. Wow, so you were like, what, eight? Eight, probably when I was into two tone, yeah. Um, That's amazing. So, probably, yeah, it would have been eight, yeah. Do any pictures like, exist of you? I'm in not the, sure. In the I have to kind of go, yeah, I haven't really had a proper look. I'd wish, I hope, wish they did. I used to know all the names of everybody in the specials and amazing. stuff like that. And, and then, then I go into heavy metal. And then I, I, everybody I knew went to a different school, and I went because you just had to. I don't know why I had to go to the same school as my older brother. And then, so I didn't know anybody really at this new school, and I stayed into heavy metal for the whole time I was there, Amazing. which I was the only person. 
It wasn't cool at all. No. And um, <laughs> trying to grow my hair long and just really having a bad mullet. And uh, <laughs> yeah, um, and everybody else was into like hip hop. Yeah. You know, it was when the Beastie Boys and Run DMC were the, about. Like early 80s. Yeah. 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 And uh, so I just stuck with it. And, and I ended up as painting birds and things like that. <laughs> I say I went to I used to go to a um a club which was all old women in a church. That's amazing. <laughs> and paint pictures of birds. How old were you there? Oh, 15. <laughs> 16. It was too old, older than I should have been. <laughs> but that's amazing though. There's nothing yeah. worse than when you just when somebody has the same sort of identikit story. I don't think anybody really does. Maybe, no. But, but then I yeah. But then I got went to college, did a national diploma in graphic design. I didn't. I wasn't great at school or anything, so I didn't know what I was going. To, I knew I could draw, and that was the only thing I was particularly good at. And but I didn't really get any proper guidance from school. They just uh, when I did the you know the careers advice, mine came out as I think I could have been a milliner or a florist or something. Those were my choice. I didn't know what a milliner was. At that point, and um, and then, but l- luckily, I, I I went for a work experience at Printers and found out about graphic design. Applied for a YTS of all things. Amazing. And uh, and then the guy who interviewed me, this amazing teacher called Aaron Armour, just said, "Don't don't don't do this. <laughs> We've got this other course. We're just starting it. Graphic communication. Uh, if you can do this, and my mum and dad went, yeah." So, and where was was this in? in that was in Burton on Trent. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and it was a re- it was a really good course. And that was we didn't have any Macs or anything there. It was all done. Um, I mean, I was learning how to do markup stuff. Yeah. And on on drawing boards, you know, to print ready. Amazing. Stuff. Hand planning, all of that. Uh, everything kind of stuff. was. It was kind of. Uh, we were still doing typesetting. Amazing. So it's amazing uh, how many people used to be employed just to yes. do a magazine, and now it's like a small department. Yeah, yeah. It used to be like four or five departments. I mean, there was a, to each other. Yeah, there was a there was a complicated maths equation to work out how to get type into a certain space, and so I learned all that and. Um, and we even our exams were you'd have a brief and you'd have to draw up and design and have it all marked up within like three hours. Or Amazing, like that. it was crazy. So many lost skills, really, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also we. I mean, I, I, weirdly now you you're meant to be good at everything, and I'm not sure that's a a good thing. So around this time, do you have a creative, an early creative memory? You mentioned the early um, metal sleeves, but do you have a moment when you remember first creating? something i was i was always drawing as a kid and i was you know like most kids probably copying comics uh, i was into the beano and danger mouse and uh all that kind of stuff and then once i got older i was into mad magazine um and i was really into calligraphy so all these things because I just didn't know you you could get a job doing any of this stuff, so I'd never heard of graphic design. Even when I went to the college, I'd never heard of typography or anything like that. I mean, I don't know why you, I would have, but um, and so I knew that I wanted to do something along those lines, but I just didn't know how. And then because I got offered this place like gra- uh, graphic design course, um, I thought, oh yeah, this is this is good, isn't it? And I'd really and because I'd like I could do things. Like the calligraphy thing, but with you know more. I mean, then we had just letter set catalogues and letter set 
rub down lettering Amazing. and so I'd still be doing a lot of hand everything would be hand drawn if I wanted to draw something if I wanted to type things I'd either have to have it as lecture set or draw it myself so they yeah you know, it felt very much still like an artistic approach mm-hmm. to the to the job it wasn't like so much way graphic design is now you kind of had to be able to draw and be you know good with your hands, a sort of good, a good craftsman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's and and that kept me in in you know that that's the side that I enjoyed about it really. So your first job out of uni was uh, a kettle factory. It wasn't a right? kettle factory yet. Um, so I only did a H and D. Um, I haven't done a BA or an MA or anything, and I was a bit. I wasn't rebellious really, but I wasn't that. Um, I didn't really want to go into a big age. I didn't in a big agency or anything. I didn't have that kind of. Oh, I know what I want to do when I want to make big, and I just. I don't know. I don't, I just thought I I just bumble along really, and then um, yeah, I applied for a job. Uh, it, it, to begin with, it was with the people who designed kettles and stuff for Hayden Kettles, which is this kettle fa- um, kettle factory. And it was called fast forward design, Amazing. and it had uh, <laughs> had dots between each letter, <laughs> like, the bit, you know, like friends, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was all in uh, really eighties colours, even though it was the nineties by this point. And the guy who run it was such a he was, a, I mean, a yuppie. He can't, there's no yeah. other way of describing it. He had long ponytail, and he was horrible. He was the most the whole everybody there was horrible. They, they wouldn't even speak to me when I went in. They, they all, they all felt like it's all like they, they all felt like people who thought that the eighties kind of money hungry way of living was a good idea, mm. and and I obviously I didn't get on with them. I used to not even park in front of the building. <laughs> <laughs> I'd park in this uh, communal, and they'd go, "Why don't you park here?" I was going. Uh, I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll just park over there. The association. I, I hate you. So much. <laughs> um, and then the, the main guy let, uh, basically sold the company and set up a rival company to Havens. And and then they didn't know how. Because I was doing all the boxing boxes and the um, packaging, uh, the instructions and stuff like that. Really, just normal stuff. So they took me on in the kettle factory, and they had to build me an office, which took up some of the tool room. So they probably hated me, and I was in with the CAD, the CAD design people. But I was behind a locked door, behind another door, so I did nothing. And I, and I, I worked out very quickly that people would ask you to do things, and then if they really wanted it, they'd ask me again. Okay. So I just wouldn't do it, and then, and then, and then a lot, most of them wouldn't ask me again. Uh, so I spent a lot of time in there just designing typefaces and amazing. doing my own stuff, and and um, and. And finding the word super mundane, which yeah. is where, where I found the word. Can you recall, like... I can't remember the day. I can't remember no, what I was no. doing. I, I was wearing... <laughs> <laughs> where were you on the day? It was you, a sunny day. Did I you was... see it somewhere and then look it up? Or no, no, I, was, I literally used to go through the dictionary just Amazing. looking for words. And uh, we had, you know, a fairly biggish Oxford dictionary. And then I saw that word and I just thought, oh, I've never, I've never even heard of this as a, a term and it means above the world or beyond earthly things. And I just like the name of it. And then to begin with, I I had a really battered old uh, Cavalier car, like a beige saloon. It was really messed up. And I sprayed 
the name it called it the super mundane and that was the original thing and because we because i went all over the country and i had a lot of fun but uh but that was the original thing and it was when i moved to london i started to think start to think about things in terms of so originally it wasn't a pseudonym it was more of a general idea yeah like mm. a, a way of life <laughs> amazing and um and uh yeah so but it all came out of being you know at, that's the best thing about being at the calvary was getting that name really but Some, I was there for way too long sometimes it? though that's the kind of thing which gives you a boost to get on and do your own thing I, yeah to, to have a job that you hate can sometimes really propel you I mean forward. I didn't really uh, hate it it was just was it was a bit soul destroying yeah really. but it was but it but it didn't I mean it was fine um, the people especially when I moved to the after I mean the people at the fast forward design were horrible but the, the people in the the um factory were a lot nicer yeah so i had quite a lot of fun whilst i was there but then there was a point where I was like, you know what am i doing it yeah time <laughs> and, to move yeah really yeah on. and then i and then and i it was back in the day when you had to get look in design week or something for jobs so back of create review or, and there'd just be one page of jobs and there was one for mathmos there people who made lava lamps or invented the lava lamps and down in london and I applied to that and got that. It seems like quite a logical move from kettles to lava lamps, though. Was it for packaging? or? Yeah, so, a... I mean, that's... So, when I went there, I uh, had... Well, it's... Yeah, it's true. It was like, it was... I, I was doing... When I first moved to Mathmos, it was the same job, basically, yeah. but just a lot more fun. Just don't drink the contents. Yeah, no, you're not allowed to drink the contents. <laughs> you should never do that. Yeah, you can't um, boil your water in lava That's the lamps. difference. No, I mean, it would take a while anyway. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> be looking at it for ages. But, um... <laughs> But yeah, so that was that was that, yeah. So I, and also I had these typefaces in design, which looked like love lamp stuff. So I had all this stuff that showed that I could do the job, and I had all my own stuff that said, "Oh look, I, I'm into the whole idea of this as well." So, so when did you move down to London? Ninety six. Okay. Um, was it this area that you moved to? I Tootin, so um, okay, not far from here, but uh, west. So always south. Yeah. yeah, I was never kind of the I was never the cool East End guy. Uh, and actually, in '96, you'd have to be in a bit of a. Yeah, people were there, but then you could have bought somewhere for nothing. Yeah. around there, but it wasn't. Mm. There was nothing. I mean, I used to go to Blue Note in uh, Hoxton Square. Around they used to have time. amazing drum and bass nights. So. Yeah, on a Monday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I used to go there, and um, but you did flyers for three 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 Old Street as well. I did. Yeah, I, I used to go to that club, and the whole of Old Street area was really like was quite scary after yeah. hours. There was none of the gentrification there is now. Though. No, I mean scary for for different reasons now. <laughs> what drew you to this area? To to the area where I live. Yeah, you? and like where you are now in Forest Oh, Hill. okay. Um, so I've I've lived all over the London really, but right. I first moved to Tooting, and then I moved to. I lived in Chalk Farm for a very short time, okay. been a bedsit. It was but in the poshest bit mm. of London I could have ever been. And I lived in Bethnal Green for a, a, a couple of years. Okay. But, and it just doesn't agree with me. It's just all. I like going there, but I like just being in somewhere that just feels a bit, yeah, like normal. And then this place just came up by, um, by chance. So I used to have a studio a couple of doors down to where I am now. And then this, the flattened studio came. It was available, and it doesn't. It just doesn't happen very often on on this street. So I took it, and and initially, even coming from west to east was a bit of a, a, yeah. a leap for me because I'd never um, lived in East London at all. And it's South East London, so it's quite different still to 
to um, kind of Shoreditch and Dalston is sort of very leafy. Mm. Yeah, we were, we were saying that nearby. walking up. Yeah, 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 and the Horniman Museum as I well. I mean, yeah. considering it's on a very busy main road, <laughs> yeah. it's just the South Circular just runs right the way through it. But um, there is a sense of, you know, a lot of people know each other, mm. and especially on our streets, but beyond that as well. Um, but it's definitely not kind of cool. We never, we never get... There's loads of empty shops here, and then when anybody comes in, it's not like something great. It's always a bit... It's always like a nail bar or <laughs> something like that. It's really annoying. But um, but then it keeps it you know, grounded as well, I think. Yeah, I think cool is temporary and overrated anyway, so... Yeah, and, and then it becomes a bit... I don't know, you... You can't relax. <laughs> That's why I feel like when I go up to see friends up in East London, it's like everybody seems to be looking at you or yeah. checking you out, what you're wearing, or thinking they've got to be having the newest food or what. Well, I don't know. There's just... a frenetic energy there yeah. as well, I think, because there's so much going on in such a small space, whereas it feels a lot more suburban and, and a bit yeah. calmer here. I mean, we are right, right on the edge of London. Yeah. <laughs> there's only Catford left. <laughs> 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 So you've worked on quite a few high-profile magazines, and magazines some that I really love, like Fire and Knives, Sleaze Nation, which was like genius magazine back in the day, and Anorak. And your fingerprints are all over Anorak in those early years. Could you mind taking us through your role as an art director and some of the work that you did there, or just um, for Anorak? Yeah. So that came out of when I was at Sleaze Nation, and I was there for only four issues, and it went bust, um, and out of that we'd started another magazine called Good For Nothing so I had no intention of being in designing magazines it just happened that I was working at Ministry of Sound at the time designing record sleeves for trancey dance things and I was not into that kind of music <laughs> at all but I had a lot of fun there and learned a lot of um, you know it's the first job I had that wasn't that actually had like a proper designer yeah. I was quite feral really at that point and, um, and then somebody who the new art director of Seas Nation seen my work, um, the stuff I'd done for Stacks in America, in 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 um, California, these all skate people that found out about my stuff for some reason, and he off just offered me a job basically to come in as a senior designer. So I did, and then four months later I was out of a job, <laughs> and then yeah we and then a few of us started, um, good for nothing, which was like. Neil Borman, who's sort of just twat. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, okay, yeah. And 333, in fact. Um, and that lasted for eight issues. <laughs> and then and then a friend of a friend uh, said about uh, Cathy O'Madillis, uh, and she wanted to start this magazine. And we met up, and we were like, yeah, we've got the same ideas of what it could be. And we just did it. And so you're in from the, from the. Yes, from the very from beginning, the yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, it's, I think it's 10 years ago that was. It set the precedent for all other kids' magazines. Well, it looked so beautiful. I mean, it existed out of the fact that. Not, um, so Cathy had not long. She had a three year old kid and she just hated all the magazines that was out there because they were all either tie ins to TV and they're all cheap. And and you just think, both of us thinking about the kind of stuff we had in the past and what we liked. Um, and the fact that. There was nothing for boys and girls, and we were told that you couldn't do that really because they won't share, you know, one row. And we're saying, well, we're aiming at, we're not aiming at all boys and girls. We're just aiming at create ones who like writing mm. or reading or drawing or all that kind of stuff. And then we just thought we didn't do any research or anything. We just went, let's just make a 
fun, colourful magazine that doesn't um, look down on the kids. And then at that point, I you know I knew quite a lot of people, in so I could tap up all this. Yeah. Talent, tap up talent. So much, um, so many good illustrators. Yeah, and a lot of people well, who they? started there is their first um, published work was in in Anarak as well. Because we would give you know them a chance to have six pages. Sometimes we'd give them a story to illustrate, and because we we couldn't pay them very much at all, so I I tried to pick people who would link to the story, and then I never. I mean, I just let them do it, and we kind of just would whatever we were given back. I just I felt like, unless it was, you know, yeah, really bad, yeah. <laughs> racist. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, we can't have that. But it, but um, but generally, we just went right. We'll just let let it be whatever it is because we just also I think with magazines is they're often treated with so much. Uh, well, now they're like treated like books. Yeah, but it's still a magazine it's an ephemeral thing so I, I never thought that it has to be perfect it could it can it's got a space to be able to be a bit more um flippant really and because of that you can make more take more chances it was so much fun and it was definitely the first of its kind in, in that field yeah there wasn't even like no brand didn't exist no. at that point um there no was brands about... from 2007 i think was when that right, started yeah. And Okido magazine started much later. That was the, the uh, blueprint. But it, was, it was around. Was I mean, place. they were doing stuff. There was there's a whole yeah. stuff about that. But they were doing. It was yeah. uh, You know, things. It's like a, most things. Th- um, there's there's obviously like a a moment Absolutely. where people are all thinking a similar thing, and we were probably the first ones there. But but I think like Akido were working on it yeah. at the same time, and so stuff. It's just that kind of moment in time where it felt right for this to happen yeah. and then yeah we we just I don't know we just did it I mean it's like all, all the magazine I worked on I've never really um, I've just been given free reign really how did it feel when you first got that first edition back from the printers it was it was good it was, that was and that one came about um, that was a long time coming about really. Oh, really yeah so we started we it took a year to get to the first one to come out because we did a lot of just testing of um, you know trying to get sales and stuff like that. So Kathy used to Find be distributors. Yeah, and, she yeah. she worked on Sleaze Nation and the Face and things like that, and just yeah. So she's just taking it seriously and trying to get advertising just because you know it, this is the whole thing. And also the the time yeah you know, like the magazine world was in turmoil, mm. so and. So he's just trying to see if it would work. So the the first one was around quite a long time. The cover was around a yeah. long time before, <laughs> before it came out, and then the second one was probably the worst one because it's just I don't know, just always uh, those second issues. It's like the tricky. first album, second. It album is, thing, yeah, yeah. And you then spend your whole life getting the material for the first album, then you have to spend like six months getting the material yes, ready for the second one. Definitely, and then you uh, and then you get into it, and it and it it, it ran, you know gets its own momentum and how many issues did you do with, with that um i can't remember it was, it was six years oh amazing i, I did yeah so really properly you grew the brand from the yeah i mean it was all i i yeah i mean i didn't leave really either <laughs> it was like i was kind of pushed out a bit yeah but um but, but, but it's not not in like a bad way no. but it was just there was just a certain point where 
things have to change. But um, obviously, it didn't do you any harm at all, though. No, he actually did me a lot of good. Yeah. Say, because I was doing that and fire and knives at the time. Okay. And so it was pretty much full time work because I was just doing them on my own as well. Animatically had some help at the end, but fire and knives, I would literally just get the words sent to me by Tim Hayward, who I hear on the radio all the time now, and uh, send him back a magazine. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just complete, uh, complete creative control. Yeah, which meant I could take again. It gave me space to be able to spend time on the visual side of it. So in that each article. Because um, it was very word heavy, there was no, there was no images given to me, so I um, I would almost design a book cover for each article, and Maybe. there's usually about eighteen, twenty, and some of them I could do quick, and each one I did in a different style, so it's like a very, it's completely different to what I do now, but it was uh, it was fun, um, just being able to play around with type yeah. and just really go to town, and and I could really, I mean, you see them now, they're they're very colourful. Um, Things I used to put all these different frames around everything. You could experiment basically. Yeah. Within. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and it worked because I was doing it, so I knew what I could. It, uh, if you gave it to someone else, it'd be a mess. Yeah. Because I didn't have grids or anything. Yeah. It was just I would just move things around however I needed to, but it still felt very cohesive. So you shouldn't. It's not one of those things that shouldn't really work because it's just chaos. But <laughs> it actually felt felt very much um, uh, that it had some cohesion going on there. Um, but yeah, it was fun for a while being in that world, and you know, there's there's at that point because Fire and Ice was pretty much a, a first of its kind as well. Like that single subject matter, yeah, the thing that the kind of uh, Ride magazine took influence from us and stuff like that. And, yeah, and now there are a lot of niche magazines, magazines everywhere. everywhere about every everything, aren't mm. there? Yeah, but what what I found weird is when and it's still a little bit now is how. Very normal the magazines are. When they've got this independent um, publishing, and they could do anything, and a lot of them are just white, with black yeah. type, and and the actual design hasn't changed much in the last. No, I think years. It's, I think it's coming from because a lot of them are editor led. Yeah. Um, and so everybody just wants their precious words as clean as possible. none of that David Carson. No, where well, you can't read. Yeah. Well, he set the whole Didn't he, thing in. That's what he did. He, it was. Bats, um, yeah. What was the interview? It was. Oh, no. The guy from Roxy Music. Oh, uh, oh my God. I can't remember. Uh, anyway, so yes. it's the singer from Roxy Music. And the, Brian Ferry. Brian Ferry. Brian and Ferry. the interview was so awful and obnoxious, apparently. They set the whole interview in dingbats. Yeah, <laughs> he did do it. Did I just still laid it out yeah. like columns and everything Amazing. over three pages? The whole interview is in dingbats. Yeah, so. Well, yeah. So I mean, all that kind of stuff, I think, is great. And even when I was at Sleeves, we used to do. I mean, we just used to do stupid things. Yeah, it was renowned for some of its amazing design and yeah. some of its kind of I mean, yeah, that concept. Yeah. It was a lot kind of. Uh, I think it was, the kind of Scott King era was probably the best, but. Um, we just came Is that the Che Guevara? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he did. Uh, yeah, he did all those ones. I'm yeah. stupid and yeah. on the cover. Yeah. We hope you're enjoying the show so far. We just wanted to take a little moment to talk about our sponsors. Our sponsor this season has been Bison Beer. They've just opened a new location in Brighton in the North Lanes in which Dan's done an amazing mural. So if you're in Brighton, be sure to get down there. Check them out online, bisonbeer.co.uk. So, back to the show. In 
2012, you did a show at the chemistry gallery called Details. Yeah. And this was, I think you mentioned that it was, it was a style you'd been doing quite a long time on your own, but not that you hadn't revealed it to uh, the, the wider audience at this point. And so this is the style that you're kind of synonymous for quite a lot now with the amazing crisp lines and block colours. Yeah. Um, and you did the show under your real name. My real name, yep. <laughs> at, at, that, at that point, were you, were you about to sort of take a fork in the road? Were you going to try and leave the super mundane name behind? Or what was the... Um, no, I, I, I just, I was trying to um, work out how I was going to go forward in terms of, you know, I was still doing graphic design at that point. I was still doing um, magazines. And then I was doing all this other stuff. And I didn't know how to separate. I, I thought I needed to separate it because I thought if I'm going to do this one thing, then it clashes with the other thing, and which is it made a complete mess. I mean, it was just it's had two websites and it just didn't make any sense. But um, and so I was never going to leave the super mundane name behind. I don't think, but I was just keeping it mainly for say commercial, more commercial work. And then the the Rob Lowe thing. I mean, there's so many people who do, you know, just, especially graffiti artists who do this thing where they come, to, you know, in the, into their late thirties or something, and then suddenly re- do work under their real name. Yeah, because it's like, <laughs> so. You keep note, and it still happens. You keep seeing these people. So the chemistry um, exhibition, because it was so different to what I'd been known for, and I, I was hitting forty at that point as well. And I just thought, right, it feels like a good point to do something under my real name. And I feel like there's been enough time between me and Rob Lowe, the actor, to be able to hand, handle it myself. And um, and then that was it, really. It was just that that way of... The, the reason that I did it was just because I just wanted to define this thing, uh, way of working in a new way. And, it's, and even though the... It was the starting point of what I do now. Everything was very minimal, really, at that point. And, but it was all based on me looking at my earlier kind of more organic drawings mm-hmm. and simplifying it down. But you're still using line to create movement and depth and stuff like. That. You you also in the earlier more organic stuff. There was a lot of typography. <laughs> Someone's revving their motorbike. It's just, just, just for fun. There was a lot, still a lot of um, line work and typography mixed together, which is exactly what you do now, but with the more um, geometrics. So there were moments of, of beautiful organic shapes with the typography sort of, yeah, you know, inside them. So it, it wasn't really a, a big step, but it, but it, but it was at the same it, time. It kind of, you know it I mean. kind of was. I mean, I think. Um... Yeah, I, I I feel like I'm still working on in the same way and still, um, but just just things are straight now instead of curved. But also when I was doing those drawings, they, I, I, that's all I could really do. I yeah. mean, it was just it it got to a point where I I, I couldn't see how I was going to move on from it, and um, and it felt I felt quite restricted. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I I started doing these more geometric things. It just opened up, and I thought, oh, actually, there's enough now. I could probably go on for we, a long, long time working on this. We were saying this on the way up, actually, is that you really seem to develop and grow within this style. There doesn't seem to have been any limitation to it. You've taken it in all kinds of different directions. Yeah. For, well, and it's quite a basic that. set of rules. But yes. you've managed to apply it across the board. I mean, so the, the, there are kind of rules, but the, but I don't stick to them. But as much as possible, I use 90 degrees and 45 degree lines. 
and then I introduce minimal shapes, which are usually just squares or circles, um, but they're always used to create more depth and movement. And then as fewer colours as I can, really. So uh, and always the colours are flat. So um, mm. even when if so if I, if I want kind of more shade or whatever in there, I use pattern to kind of create mm -hmm. that. And all of these things are coming together. I'm trying to create something that's got a lot of depth and movement and it's very engaging as something that you look at. But, yeah, using the minimal amount of um, elements. And even when my things are very complicated, or look very complicated, the way I work on them is very simple. So I just build them. From, if, I, if Sometimes I have a plan, sometimes I don't. But if I don't have a plan, I'll literally start with a line and then add another line. And then maybe I'll shrink everything down and start working on top of that. And, and then so the whole process feels manageable to me um, rather than being overwhelmed with this kind of, I'm going to create this big thing to begin with. I don't think about that. I just think about how each line is is um, working with the line next to it and then and your line widths works. are always incredible. always the same uh, yeah. width, uh, and then the space between. Uh, yeah, yeah, so it's... that comes. I think that's just a natural thing. So I'm not into maths at mm. all. Uh, I just don't think. I mean, I obviously, obviously there is maths in there, in what I do, but but I'm working at it from more of a visual and emotional a feeling. Level. Yeah, yeah, it, it seems that way. Uh, yeah, so I'm just trying to create. So that's what I love about having. You know, you can just have so few things, and just by. By placing a line in front or behind something, it'll change how you look at it. Or at least that's how I... I mean, it's very difficult for me to know how um, other people view my work. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just doing it that, so it works for my eyes and my brain. It can. I think and, it can uh, be um, detrimental if you start to think too much from outside of your process looking in. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll try not to dig like too deep. No, well, I say, I mean, I get asked a lot about whether I know the golden ratio and stuff like that, and I've never looked into it at all. I wasn't yeah. taught it at school, and I've never really, I mean, I'm sure I use it in places, I but I just I, don't know. I just, I, but that's just a way of, it's a natural form of balance, isn't it? So, it is. And, but I also think that we've been surrounded by the golden ratio yeah. in films, in photography, in artwork, our entire lives. Yeah, yeah. So even if you don't know what it is, everybody knows. Yeah. You know exactly what it is, but without knowing the term for you, it. Well, you just know that something's pleasing. That you know, you look at it and go, yeah. So I'm always trying to create things that, are, from one level, that they're. You can just enjoy them as a colourful. Mm -hmm. So I did a, um, uh, a mural for Leeds train station, and that I've can just it. be enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, so that's can we just enjoy it as a colourful piece yeah. of work? But it also says Leeds on it, which is quite hidden. But it and then it because it had to work in mirror because it's on glass. It reads but leads both ways, and then there's other way other ways that I played around with depth as well. And then there's bits that you can see through as well. So there's got there's lots and lots of ways to enjoy it. So you can. You know, the more you time spend with it, the more things can reveal themselves, and it depends on how much you, the person wants to engage with it. But at the very beginning, it can be just viewed as a, I suppose, a decorative so it has thing. Those... But, it's, but it never is just a decorative. So, do you think that you started to become more of um, a fine artist at this point, or like <laughs> it became more of a fine art practice in, uh, in, in respect to it was art? It was for its own sake. Yeah, I mean, I, I struggle for a long time to call myself an artist. Yeah. And I mean, I struggled to call myself anything really other than a graphic designer because that was what I was trained in. So, um, but recently, I mean, I don't do very much graphic design at all anymore. And it, just for myself, if I, uh, if I do anything. And, and living on a street like that I do, there's lots of 
five artists and then I don't know what they how they pursue yeah, there's a kind of an idea that if you haven't been to art college and done art yeah then you're not really an artist and but then there's loads of people out there who wish they do a bad painting of a late landscape they'll call they'll they'll call themselves liars they don't care <laughs> so I have that awkward thing where I call myself a graphic artist which is a bit of a cop-out really but but basically what I'm doing is I'm trying to make work that makes people feel different and changes mm. the way they see the world and I can't see what else art is if it's not that it so. absolutely should be that yeah. and there's a purity in in it just being it having no client, it having no nobody yeah. infringing on what it is that you're putting in front of people. Yeah, I suppose there's there's a point where I'm, yeah, the stuff I do for myself is very as pure as possible, really. And then, so usually that's I still call that I have that under the name Rob Lowe. And then, oh, my, okay, yeah, so I still have a separation, but it's but it's not as obvious anymore mm. um, because all the commercial work is under super and then people want to say. Your name, anyway. Yeah, it's always that. <laughs> I've always wondered why. Whenever you have a pseudonym, they'll always say your real name. It's like it wouldn't work in the criminal underworld. Yeah, would it? it's like, well, you, <laughs> someone's someone's pseudonym, and then you just give away their name yeah. as well. But yeah. for a long time, a lot of people thought it was a business as well. So quite a few oh, that's, people. Yeah. Because how can one person produce so much stuff? Because <laughs> no, I did so many different things. You were incredibly prolific in the, um, the noughties. Alongside never... the magazine work, yeah, I, I went to... on the Wayback Machine and looked at... Um, what, on my old website? <laughs> on the old website. I've got some screen grabs I'll show Have you, you right. in a bit. And the, from like 2001 is the first appearance, and then 2004 to kind of 2008... There's like every few months, it's like hundreds more clients. There's PlayStation, there's Juliet and the Licks. It's I'm like more and more and more. It's it's amazing as you were working full time job and yeah, you know. So yeah, it's never and and for someone who's quite lazy, really. <laughs> <laughs> I I I've never because um, when I was doing the magazines at Sleaze, we used to work. You know, it'd be like four or five in the morning. I'd be drawing a intro page for. And that was when we had a full, like loads of people working for us. And then every magazine that I worked on myself, I never worked late. I don't like working late. No. I like it, I'll get up early, but if it gets to midnight, I'm thinking I'm going to bed. I'm not like working. And I, and and that's why I could never. I mean, because I could have gone into, you know, and I could have stuck with graphic design or gone into the ad world, um, or done anything like that. But apart from I wasn't really interested in it. The idea of working all night on pitches really didn't appeal to me but um but yeah but but then there's also it's amazing how much you can do as well you know it, i don't even do stuff all the time but uh, if i did i mean you just you just think mm. how much time there is mm. you could really produce an incredible amount of work and um but then in, instagram has that weird thing about you know when everybody looks on instagram they go oh, you're really busy and it's just that's a bit of a myth as well because mm. it just looks like you are if you're busy putting loads of stuff on instagram you're probably not actually that busy <laughs> i think it's kind of you would i don't know i mean i i like instagram i get work me from too. instagram and um and it suits me because i do lots of different things and i can then dot it with a few 
personal things so maybe a, if I particularly like a book or something or I've seen an exhibition then I'll put things like that in. I went, that's as near to me putting my home life into there at all um, so your mural work yes with the strong positive typography has been used across some incredible public spaces more recently um, can you tell us when you first started doing murals in this style because I used to draw do drawing um, murals um, with Posca pens and yeah. would, with the more organic stuff and I would literally just have no plan and just draw on a wall so they, they would and they'd be quite nice for me to do because I could just lose myself in them and then I got approached by when I started doing the geometric stuff I got approached by Moo the business card people and said oh could you do a mural in this style and I was like well I, I can do but I've never done it before uh, so I don't know how it'll come out because I just warn you <laughs> Yeah, it might it might not work. So I had to work out a way of doing it, and um, I it just just by luck. I mean, I think loads of things happen just by luck, and this was one of those very lucky moments where I was watching uh, one of those. How do, what do artists do all day? Oh yeah, and it was Michael amazing. Craig Martin, and he was he he was in front of one of like a, a canvas. It was pink, and then he just pulled off. Like a, with a scalpel, and he pulled off this tape, and I was like, "What? What's that?" <laughs> and there's all these curves, and then he was, he was, you know, um, yeah, using tape up on a wall uh, to draw with. And I was like, "I have never, I didn't know this existed." And so I started looking for tape that you could use for curves and yeah. stuff. And there's a t- there's a tape called masking tape for curves. I've had a lot of conversations about <laughs> tape over the years. Yeah. Um, you can see the whole load of tape over there. That it doesn't last very long. Tape apparently, so you shouldn't buy it ahead of time. Oh, okay. Um, but there is the there's the one that's like crimped, and it's a it's a tape that you can um, curve, and so that made my life kind of a lot easier. So then, I I paint everything black. First, or if that's the outline, color, yeah. Tape everything out and paint all the color on. And the last minute, pull all the tape off, and that's that's the pro- simple, simply the process, really. And um, but there's a there's a long time between taping everything out and then pulling because it just takes forever to paint all the uh, colors on, and so you don't know what you're going to get either. So the first one, I was like, I had all of the company behind me <laughs> as I was well, when sweating, you were sweating, well. going, God, I hope this is going to be all right. I hope this is going to be all right. And um, and it came out fine, yeah. But that was the time I used a projector for that as well, which okay. is. I don't know, was it inside? Yes. It was. So that was I. But that was the very first one. I've not used a projector ever since because you just doesn't make any sense. You can't see as soon as you go up close to it. You yeah. block the. Yeah. You're trying to do a circle, and you need to to do not to do a circle. It has to. If you have one kink in it, it really shows up, and it has to be tiny. But it. Mm. And so now everything's done with. Um, I've got. Uh, I measure everything. And do you feel like you're almost fulfilling a public service creating these uplifting and colourful murals in particular environments? Um, I mean, I'd, I'd like to do more, and the, the, it'd be nice to have more um, permanent ones. I don't. I sometimes my stuff has positive messages in. Yeah. There's 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 definitely an underlying thing in most of my work, or that's not uh, obvious that I. There's like um, especially in some things that I write poetry more. There's they're they're very explicitly existential. But I've got the, there's the mural at the end of our street that yeah. says hello and goodbye, which is just a silly thing. But it's kind of on the South Circular, so people are either coming or they're going. So I thought it was just funny. Mm. Um, and then I think there's a I think it can make a big difference 
public arts really and the kind of stuff that I do is not um, pushing people away it's trying to be celebratory with the more, there's more to it than just as I was saying before it's, there's more to it than just the colours and the lines but you don't have to know that to enjoy it and then I've just done a piece up in Aberdeen called yeah, Super Aberdeen. I was going to ask. Oh right, yeah. So that was that's the most collaborative and site specific thing I've done so far, and that was working with um, the Look Again Festival and the artist uh, group called Stack, and then the kids from Catherine Community Centre, and uh, and this, the guys from Stack did these workshops with the kids, and they just collated all this stuff, and I was just sent it all. And the original idea was I was just going to use that as um, inspiration. I didn't have to use the actual word, right. but it was all so good that I just went, "Oh, I'll I'll just use it." So that they so I created this framework that says quite abstractly Super Aberdeen, and then just populated it with all their stuff that I I flattened a bit and I coloured. But apart from that, it's all their work, and there's photographs in there of. Uh, like a block of flats, which is right next to where some of the kids oh, live, nice, yeah. and so and then because they took photographs with um, disposable cameras, and they took some amazing little odd photos, and um, and so I wanted to use them in there, and just so the the actual piece is about a very small area of Aberdeen, and I think kind of for me to go because it's weird me going up there as someone from London, mm. and, you know why sh- why wasn't it someone from Aberdeen, but uh, but I think that. They wouldn't have used the blocks of flats in there, and they wouldn't have, you know. I could see something in it yeah. that they can't, and so I felt like my job was repackaging what they gave me anyway, and then going, look, this is this is how good your surroundings are, or this is what you know you could be proud of this place. Mm. And I suppose, and then that, that, yeah, so that's that kind of thing is really nice to do, and, it, and it's the first time I've done it in that way, and, it, and I realise actually that's something I can do now. I, it, I can. Take other people's work and other other things that are generated through different means, yeah. and still produce a piece of work that feels like it's mine, that looks like mine, yeah. but is about a community. Yeah, there was another one, uh, the hundred percent human one in Williamsburg. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yes, yeah, so the, that one's that one was for Everlane, which are like an ethical clothing brand, and they have this phrase hundred percent human." And they they wanted to do a big mural. They were going to invite the public along, and they give uh, money to the um, American Civil Liberties U- Charity right. Union, which is a really good charity. And, and so that one, I did, it's the only one I've never painted. I didn't paint. Did that you one. get to see it? I've never seen it. Right. No. I mean, I've seen pictures, obviously. Yeah. And uh, and that would be the biggest one I think has been okay. done. And so a company called Colossal, who I knew of anyway, because they do um, advertising paintings in New York, and they painted it, and then the public came. It was the first snowstorm of the year, and they came and painted it, made a mess of it. (laughs) (laughs) And then Colossal came in and repainted it. Right. And so, yeah, that wasn't... I mean, it's it's a really nice project. And it was quite weird watching it, just on Instagram, really. That's, <laughs> it's like an odd feeling. Like it's, this whole thing's happening out in America and uh, in in uh, Williamsburg, and I was I was just having to watch it like any you know yeah. anyone else, and and it's quite it, it's you have a slight separation from it, which is quite nice. You know, it's not normal. It's you know I didn't have to get through all the. 
campaign and making it, which is this. I mean, I couldn't have done the. the I put a lot more lines and it'd have been a lot yeah. more simple if I yeah. was doing it. it, it would, <laughs> <laughs> but they have they do it differently. They don't use tape. They everything's hand painted. Yeah. So, right, and they're used to painting. Well, because they built those billboards they do on the side of buildings. Yeah, they're amazing. Some of them are photorealistic. Yeah, they're, they're mainly photorealistic. Yeah. They're probably this one was probably more annoying to them than those because they're used to being able to nice blend things. Where this is, you just have to follow the my lines but yeah that would have probably taken me a, a month to do if i was doing it myself but it was nice to see it happening and it was a good good cause yeah so something a little bit closer to home was your sense of space project in yes. broadgate yeah um where it's in, quite interesting to see your vinyls uh kind of broken up like yeah. your geometric patterns so that yeah the that was one of those jobs that was just i was approached and I could do anything pretty much right and there were there were it went through a lot of I mean a lot of the time I didn't know what I was meant to be doing <laughs> but uh but eventually I, I I just made these big images really what was the idea behind the project was it so the the whole the the sense of space project itself they had this uh, box made this mirrored box and in within there was four rooms each with a different kind of sense right okay in a space <laughs> and then um i my stuff was the kind of wafer and stuff so it, it was all around broadgate yeah and brought you to this moment that was into the um the, the box really so it, it was dotted around so it was a way of kind of going off oh, come this way and but also a way of changing a space as yeah. well through color and, and line and what's interesting about that is Things happened that I didn't know was going to happen. You mm. know, so the the, um, the ones that were put on the stairs and they were put on the uh, the I don't know what it's called the bottom part of the step. <laughs> um, so it literally chopped up yeah. my work and I animated it in a way and and changed how it all worked. And then the um, the largest one was just huge, rolled over all the steps. Yeah, amazing. So, and and I loved all that kind of stuff because it creates new ways of these lines connecting that aren't uh, in my control and it's great to kind of you know just not just just things happen that you you weren't expecting and so i'm i'm seeing things my you know it's a way of seeing your own work in a new way as well which is it's always hard to do really. mm. so when somebody does something with it that you're not really expected to do um and it comes out okay then that's that's always a good thing and it actually then i think uh, but looking at that, I was thinking, oh, that might influence me to do other things yeah. from that because then it goes, you know, you make sure to see how things can work in different ways. So I'm always open to all that kind of thing. I'm not too, try not to be very closed minded about new things happening with my work. We're having a great time recording the podcast and it's really good to hear that you guys are enjoying it too. So keep on commenting, letting us know that you're enjoying it. Like and subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram so you can keep up with what we're doing. We've got some exciting stuff coming up. Now back to the show. So um, much of your work concerns and uses uh, written language. Yes. Um, and you've also written, performed and published poetry. Uh, yes. And, uh, <laughs> can, you, can you talk about your relationship with the written word? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, well, yes, yeah, so I've always loved um, kind of writing, but I've never been 
Oh, I never had very much confidence with it. I'm, I'm terrible at spelling. I don't. I don't really don't feel like I was taught <laughs> the punctuation or anything. It's cool. <laughs> I don't remember. It's uh, and we uh, anyway. So, but I loved writing stories and things like that. And then I used to use words quite a lot in my early drawings. So, but I'd write just a little. Just a little thing um, that would give a bit of humanity to something that was quite abstract. So they weren't ever linked, really. They were just something to think about whilst we were looking at this um, drawing. That's like the I know it's over project, but we'll talk about that. Yes, in a minute. yeah, exactly. The, connect, yeah, yeah. the connection that other people make when yeah. you put two things together. Yeah. So I had all these things, and then I'd have in my sketchbooks. I'd find all these bits of writing, um, and I was, I was into Ivor Cutler and. Um, People who kind of wrote very small, you know, like pithy little uh, bits of um, prose, really, but they're tiny prose. Mm. I think now it's called flash fiction, is it okay. now? Or whatever, whatever they're calling it. But anyway, but, it's, but these little things that are open-ended, you know, there's no start, there's no end. It's just a little bit that can make your brain mm-hmm. kind of imagine something. And so I had all these in there, and some of them I couldn't remember writing, so I had a bit of sp- like space between myself and them, and then I collected a few together and made a booklet called Extraordinary, which was playing on super mundane and the word super mundane is like extraordinary. What maybe thinks about extraordinary being made of the words extra and mm. ordinary. So it, yeah. Anyway, I don't. Yeah, know anybody. It, is, it is pretty much. <laughs> it is exactly the same, yeah. same word. Yeah. Well, yeah. The same well it's the same. Yeah. So I, I use that as a way of explaining. Because when people think it means Superman name is merely boring, and so well, it's the same as extraordinary. Extraordinary doesn't mean yeah, really, really ordinary. Yeah, but um, <laughs> <laughs> so I I put all these things together in a little. And me and Kathy at the time we started mm. this uh, little publishing company called Present Joys. We put it out there, and however many years later, seven years later, I've just managed to sell them all. <laughs> It's because we had a thousand, very uh, ambitious at the time. But it, it was just, just yeah. We well, released uh, some Matthew the Horse stuff as well. Yeah, so we released his, um, uh, yeah, because we, we, he was doing stuff for Anorak. Mm. And, oh, okay. And I loved, oh, yeah. loved his stuff anyway. Yeah, so he was illustrating as mm. well and knew that he could write. He did a brilliant poetry book last year. I've got, I've got it here. I love it. Ah, so, and the drawings are lovely, yeah. lovely as well. Yeah. But it's so abstract. My son really loves it as yeah. well. Yeah. Well, there's the one, uh, the really um, sound-related one about uh, dancing, isn't it? Oh, oh that's so good. Um, anyway, yeah, so we published him. And then and actually, because I had, I had this whole idea about doing a word-related publishing company like we do like posters and stuff which now it might be added to I don't know but but at the time no nobody took any interest in it to be honest but um but then I started I did do a few readings from that book which I was I'm, I'm better at doing uh, public speaking now but at the time I was petrified and I ended up doing it the, for, for it's nice that at the British uh institute so it was something ridiculous and I'm reading this thing like I think the opening one is, uh, she'll never understand, he said to his reflection, his eyes drifted to the floor and all he could see with his bare feet squeezed into her shoes. <laughs> things, like, <laughs> things like that. <laughs> so, um, so I, 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 and then I occasionally write short stories and, but they again, they're, they just, I can't really sit down and write, I'm not a writer, mm. but, you know, they come or they don't. Even a lot of your artworks though, have 
text. They have yes. they have sentences or words that that are a call to action or yeah. they're an observation on life. So even in those, there's the written word. It's almost yeah. like some of them are kind of visual poetry in themselves. I mean, I I see. I do use words a lot. I've got a book called Empty Slogans as well, which has loads of um, just phrases really about modern life. And then I obviously have uh, a few kind of signature prints like I Think You're Wonderful, which mm. that came out of me doing... I did a badge called, that said I Think You're Wonderful on it, and people could just have it for free. And if they sent me a, a self-addressed envelope, I would send it to anyone. So they they <laughs> would just... be just a way of... I tried to get... When I was a Good for Nothing magazine, I tried to have that on the front cover because I thought it, people were sitting on the tube with like... Amazing. Yeah. But they, they, they had cold cynical hearts wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't go for it but um but then even something as simple as that i i kind of think about the words very you know i, I pick one, the word wonderful very purposefully over because it's just something you could say to anyone mm. you know rather than saying beautiful or something which that's subjective yeah or or, or um, amazing or you know, but wonderful is you know everybody would like to be called yeah. wonderful, yeah. and you can say that to your mom or your friend or your anyone. So, I, I think it's just and I, and I think as well. There's a bit of doubt in it. I don't know. There's mm. I used to I had one that said you just might be the most spectacular thing I've ever seen. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> but it's just those little words. I like just having like just something in there just to just to twist it. And, and sometimes the whole aesthetic is based around the words, the way you lay the words out or the way they're kerned. Or... If, uh, if there's words related, if, if, if there's words and um, if they're in like an image, then it, then the image comes directly out of the words, the shapes. Okay. So I can't just, if I if I change the word, I've done commercial jobs like this and then when it's changed the words and I said, well, I've got to do, I'll do yeah, it all again. Built... Because I'm building things from, so everything... Like in all my work, nothing sits isolated from anything else. So I'd, ne- I'd never do um, something that has my geometric work and then lump a bit of type mm. on the top. It's always. Do you start with the words then? Yes, if I yeah, if I'm doing something like that, and then I yeah. So a lot of the stuff, I mean, some things are just very simple, and then I like perhaps little plays on words. You know, who doesn't? <laughs> but um, but. But then, yeah, sometimes that. But I do write. Yeah, I write. I had a whole thing where I had these. I mentioned it a little bit earlier about these dystopian things, and it was I did these um, logos for an unknown future, which was, and there were things like I did all these forms. I thought well, they looked like logos. And I thought, well, what would they be? And there were things like U uh, U a, uh, um, a cloning introduction surface <laughs> that uh, introduces you to you. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And things, yeah, they, uh, oh, I can't remember, movable town planning or something like that, where people get bored because of cars um, being electric and driverless cars, so nobody has to drive anywhere or know how to get anywhere, so maps are no longer needed. So in the night, the towns move around, <laughs> so just to make things interesting. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. So we were having a look on your wall, you've got some layouts for... A self-published book, is it going to be? Yes, yeah, it's going to be, yeah. <laughs> Called Lines of Human. Can you tell us a bit about that? Uh, yes. Um, so it's... I can't remember when I came up with the idea for it, but I was thinking about... I, I through talks and things. Um, my talks are, go all over the place, and I, I don't I often don't talk about my work very much. 
usually singing songs or <laughs> or uh, or telling people they're all going to die, something like that. But um, <laughs> not in a threatening way. But it's and then I, I think I, I was just thinking about how we define ourselves as humans with lines. Or when I first moved to London, I used to spend a lot of time down on the South Bank and really notice how everything's very linear in a way that it wasn't so much from where I was coming from where I came from or at least not as good as the stuff I've seen here and um, and then I was thinking actually all the just words like how we use words like crossing lines drawing lines uh, cues are lines poetry is lines music's lines there's all this mm. stuff and then um, so I, I just started to collate all these things together in the way I see them and using some of my own work as, as references or a kind of way of you know threading this all together and and yeah that's it really I'm just trying to pull it all together now really and it's coming because normally things like this I could spend five years working on something like this and then it'll eventually come about but this one seems to be coming together quite well so so you don't have a set deadline for when you'd like no to... I'm, I'm going to try and bring it out before the end of this year um, and then but it should 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 happen. But there's things in there just talking about borders uh, as as fictional lines. Um, so there's bits of I've written a little story about um, kind of pro- not pro- well kind of property. You know? And and I was just thinking about how weird it is that we can own land. And it's like well how can how can some how can we? Yeah, I think <laughs> that's like, like, <laughs> yeah. somebody yeah. just one day. Just said, well, I'm this, this is mine. Yeah, this that's what I said. Is mine. Yeah, basically, I said this. You know, if I, if I drew a square around myself yeah. and said, "This is mine now," we'd, we'd think we're weird. But that's yeah, basically not in that way. And now, yeah, if you want it, you either pay me money, yeah, or you got to fight me for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what is it? And, um, yeah. So it's a bit about that, really. And then, and then the idea of borders, or or then having private property, mm-hmm. creates the idea of trespass mm-hmm. and being, mm-hmm. you know, the scared of and how things trust you know, like how sound trespasses as well, which actually is very, we don't really worry about light too much, which is also does. Yeah, I did a that's... series of of prints a while a couple of years ago called Ancient Lights, which is about the right to light thing. If you know about that, which was in the um, in the I don't know when time <laughs> in the past, <laughs> you know, um, before I was born, there used to if you had window for a certain amount of time that had light coming in. You couldn't build in front of it because it was your right to light. That's amazing. And then around London, there's some places which have underneath the window it says "Ancient Lights," and if you put that up, people couldn't uh, build in front of it. That's it's amazing. Right. It's a great term as well. Have to look out. Yeah. yeah. So there's one. There's a um, there's an alleyway behind a pub. <laughs> In uh, Chicago Square, that used to go to that. It's, uh, but it's a, uh, it's the, um, the Heart Pub uh, uh, just off Chicago Square, which is really good anyway. And you can drink in the alley, which is a very, very narrow alley. And if you look up, interestingly, where there isn't any building in front of it, there's some that say ancient oh, lights, wow. Wow. and there's quite a few in Clerkenwell as well. So I did this, um, uh, these four prints, which had wind, like, like, looked like a window. And then they had these geometric shapes, kind of infiltrating beyond the window, but also there the, the was a little bit of a um, optical illusion, okay. but very subtle one. But then there was that idea that you know what's a what is does light trespass? It does. It light does. And sound obviously trespasses, yeah. but it has no 
it's benign, isn't it? Has well, no sound sound is different because actually that can be one of the worst trespassing. It, it, ever, you're right, it's because that can really upset, upset you. And then light, if it if it damages something, which it has done, some of my books have been damaged by light, then it's annoying. But it doesn't feel it's not. You can't get angry at it. You're not going to go out there and shake your fist at the sun. <laughs> 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 you just feel annoyed that you didn't, you know block the sun or put you shouldn't have put that thing in, in its way but anyway but yeah so there's bits of that and, I, and so there's kind of weird lines that's and but not but I don't go into it because I don't know anything about maths I don't go into the geom- geometry of things but it's, sure so it's much more of a yeah. um, it's like a, a scrapbook of my ideas about lines and just other things that try and make sense of some of the way I think but also maybe help people see the world in a slightly different way Think rethink about lines. I mean, yeah, yeah. So even it, the letters themselves are well, made up from yes, lines. Yes, course. Yeah. So the basic alphabet ad with the even well, most almost all of them are, and it's yeah. So when you do start thinking about it, and 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 say my work and abstract work only makes sense to humans anyway, because it's just lines. <laughs> so unless you you um, you know, it takes a lot of. Um, there's a bit of a sophistication there that we don't really mm. think about, especially with simple things. And you know, I did this little animation where it's just these four lines, each one drawn with a slightly thicker pen each time, and each one had a me sync going la or la, and then at the end they all come in. And it, but it's a really simple thing and it's quite funny. But actually, I was thinking about it the other day, and it was like it, there's a lot that's needed to, in order for this to work. Absolutely. As, and so the, the viewer has to bring. A lot of sophisticated understanding to this to and make even it... most isn't even the most simplistic of individuals still yeah. brings a whole weight of history of music yeah, yeah. of line of understanding the difference in the relationship to the notes but the yeah. relationship to maybe even like a baritone or yeah, a soprano yeah. all of this stuff yeah, is yeah. in there yeah so that's yes yeah, even the most simple thing for a human we think of it as nothing but yeah and I think we learn it quite quickly mm. as well because kids will understand that a thick thing should sound deeper but I've, I've, I've always wondered what, how it's possible to have happy notes <laughs> you know why does a note like a, a musical note like obviously but they, they're kind of they they do generally go up don't they they but why do we think of as up as happy and down as that? yeah that's that's I mean, I don't have any answers to that. That's pretty much. Come on, come on the show. We've got all these questions, but no answers. What's going on? Um, you uh, were talking about music. That's quite a, quite a good lean on. Um, you frequently talk about music in interviews and talks. Yeah. And um, I often talk to people about the fact that I think my design education came from record sleeves. Yeah. And I think you already mentioned it earlier, but what record sleeves do you particularly remember for their design growing up? Um, ones that I probably don't have any link to what I do now, but it was the Iron Maiden ones I loved because they were just Derek Riggs, I think, did those the painted ones. So I had a the Trooper single I painted Amazing. on the back of my uh, uh <laughs> my fake leather Amazing. leather jacket, and um, and but almost all of them are ELO, um, out of the blue. Is that the one with the big jukeboxy kind of colour? Yeah, and then you open it out, and it's uh, it's well, it's kind of just it's a, it's a, the jukebox as a, a spaceship on the front, and it's a double gatefold, and the inside is an airbrushed inside of the um, uh, of the spaceship, 
which is amazing. And then the the original one came with a uh, insert which you could pop out and make a, a little cardboard version of the Wurlitzer UFO. I mean, just <laughs> if you yeah, it was, they couldn't really uh, cater to my geeky child self more. I was like. This is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> the music's not brilliant, but you know, it's, this is amazing. And um, and then they then get like growing up, getting older, and more into design stuff. I really liked all the early wedding present mm. stuff, which was, I think, the Bizarro one, which was just uh, green and yeah. with the orange scribble, yeah. which was designed by the Designs Republic, I think. It was oh, really okay. early, yeah. early, amazing. Design. And the ones that came after that by Hitch, which were just, but they were they were they were quite because they. Felt very simple and the sea monsters was really simple, just yes. like a pattern in the middle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I loved all those things. They were they were quite influential when I was at college, um, and I liked Sarah Records, you know, mm-hmm. and so I loved all that kind of handmade stuff with inserts, anything with an insert, basically, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, posters and uh, uh, hand-drawn covers and. Stuff like that. So for me, it was the War of the World sleep. Yes, just sitting there looking through the booklet on that. Yeah, well, it's quite I, terrifying. I, just spending a lot of time in r- looking at all of the stuff on that came with the album. You know, I don't know the names of any musicians anymore. <laughs> or well, that's true. You know, like, I, I, I haven't got any secrets. information. Yeah. Uh, um, I, you know, when I like bands, when I was, I mean, I was a, obviously a bit more geeky then, but it was, I would know the name of every musician, <laughs> probably know where this has been recorded, uh, the year it was, it's all that kind of stuff. But um, also status quo, gotta, gotta get the quo in there. <laughs> um, they, they, uh, there's a thing. So they were one of the first bands that I recognised having a constant lo- a logo, okay, and that didn't change through all the albums from after they from when they're on Vertigo. Not yeah. the years different, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but they had this amazing thing where on the back of each album it would have a thing that said "From the Makers of," and then have a little like centimeter square black and white version of the albums that had come before. But they were like a bitmap of it, so they were really sim- simplified. And then, you know, by the time I was into them in the very early eighties, they got twenty of them and all these little <laughs> little um, thumbnails. And they were just, but also you just go, it's oh I haven't got that one. <laughs> you don't you want to? had all the State Square albums. It's uh, and it, just as they were being rubbish. Uh, just <laughs> when they were just when they were doing and the army now, um, or Margarita time. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so you you had an ex, uh, exhibition a couple of years ago um, named after a Smith song I know it's over um, and it was pairing song lyrics with artworks there was no real connection but people brought the meaning themselves yeah it actually, it actually was this February oh Just okay yeah, yeah. wow I thought it was a, no, a no, it was, it was, yeah it was uh, in Belgium in a place called Hasselt where last year I painted a mural there and then they invited me back to do um, this show. And yeah, so I designed 71 forms, which is the amount that I could, uh, 50 by 70 posters that I could fit in the gallery. Wow. But it also it was my, the year I was born, so it felt oh, kind yeah. of little, little. So the whole, and the, and the gallery was closing, which is what, so they invited me and a few others to be the last um, shows. And so I felt it was all about like nostalgia and stuff like that. So that's why I called it. I um, I know it's over from um, 
I know it's over. The yeah, song. You've, got, you've, you've referenced the Smiths a few times, haven't you? Um, I have done a bit. In yeah, the, I mean it's tricky now. Everybody hates Morrissey, don't they? But it's uh, the day, but but you know yeah. the Smiths are brilliant. Yeah. Um, and to a certain, I know some people hate them. Yeah, but they're, but they're, but they're confident people who, did, who weren't like sitting in the bedroom. I was, feeling, I, was you know, I know every like, lyric, to every, yeah, every song, and yeah, the first two The sea will take well. me. The yeah. night was just yeah. Uh, but anyways, so the so then I thought, okay, I can pick seventy-one song lyrics that mean something to me, and then pair them with these images, and then you they create new things. Mm. Taking two things that aren't linked creates something new in the mind of the person that's looking at it. So I went through and found all these lyrics that that were not particularly the best, I guess, but some of them, they all had a, a little story behind mm. them that made sense to me. So when people bought one of them, one of the prints, I sent them a letter explaining why um, the story behind it. So there's a smog lyric in there, I think. There's, a, there's a couple. There might be two smog lyrics. Oh, okay. There's um, I love my mother. I love my father. Yeah, from from oh. smog. Um, there's oh god, there's loads of them. Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Do you, right. do you think you fall on the melancholic side? Oh god, yes. Yeah, yeah. Like I've got like uh, well, I've got a, t- a t-shirt that says "Sad Songs" on it, from, uh, <laughs> and there's um, there's a Charlie Brown thing up there that says "Happiness is a sad song." Amazing. I think, and if I was ever going to get a tattoo, which I probably never would, it'd say sad songs. Amazing. But uh, yes, definitely, I love. Uh, I, I, I fall love, on that side. I love quite that a lot thing. too. I didn't really. I wasn't. Um, I was. What? I didn't go clubbing or anything when I was younger. So I, was, I didn't go to the. I was not. Uh, I've never been to a rave. <laughs> so, so I didn't kind of go in that that world where that's all very celebratory, mm. isn't it? And it's, and it's non-lyric based. It's all about taking drugs mm-hmm. and getting. Going. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> well, whereas I was doing exactly the opposite, kind of drinking beer and thinking, the world's terrible. <laughs> but loving it, you know, it's just because uh, at the same time, there was loads of great indie music around mm. and all that was happening. Um, so I used to go to see loads of stuff back in Tam- well, Birmingham and the- Nottingham and all that. Oh, so you did an amazing talk for It's Nice That about music that was inspired by religion. Yeah. We talk about spirituality and faith. Um, and you say that we need something bigger than ego and money. Are you spiritual in any way? Uh, I don't feel spiritual very much, I've got to say. Um, I, I'm i definitely non-religious. And then I think... I don't know because it's just. I mean, it's a word, isn't it? Spirituality um, is is that a word that means being connected to your humanness? I don't know, and and then um, I think it's just got it, it. It carries a certain amount of baggage it in does. my my way I think about it. Uh, but I definitely think about the world and my place in the world in in a way that could be seen as a spiritual way I guess but it's more um, just like the kind of interconnectedness mm. to everything which I just you know it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to think that we're not all interconnected mm. because how can we not it's it's just I think there's a prevailing I'm ag- agnostic but I think there's a prevailing feeling that 
there is something there is obviously something bigger than us it doesn't mean there has to be a creator but the universe is bigger than us a tree is bigger than us all of that stuff makes me marvel that there's some kind of magic that we don't understand at yeah. all it doesn't need a god to explain it but it no. puts us in our place amongst things and if you've got a wonder at that i mean that's why i feel sort of spiritual in that way yeah but i don't believe in some patriarch in the sky yeah i mean i don't i mean as soon as you start thinking about it my mind starts to get a bit blown anyway so it's, it's just because i can't i can't imagine you know if you start looking even if you look out into the sky or just think about the universe and then you start to think about we're sitting i mean i, I do talk about things like this in, in my um talks and i i have various quotes that all mean the kind of the same thing and there's one which is um paul valerie the French philosopher, and it's something like uh, everything that is not strange is false. Amazing. So it's, it's, I think that's pretty much it. And and I'm just trying to say to people that you know we try and say that everything's real or we're sold truth and reality, and so but but nothing's real or or, not, or at least nothing's not odd. It's like we're st- we're on a <laughs> yeah. we're on a planet spinning yeah. at a thousand yeah. miles an hour in a <laughs> massive universe, and then try and think of you know going to buy toilet paper and isn't that like the weirdest thing you have to do in the in the world you know you have to do all these weird things that we've made real we subscribe to a reality yeah, yeah. Don't we? i mean you have that to because, mean it, that it's, because yeah. it because it because it'll go crazy yeah but what we weirdly what we do is we ignore large areas of our humanity like death in because that's problematic but so we don't really make it any better we just hide away the troublesome bits and then have uh, other things like computer games or box sets or alcohol to kind of um, stop us having to really us, to yeah. worry about the whole the bigger thing. But then I think if you do think of things in a way that you're all connected and you're just you're coming out and coming in and everything is all one, then maybe that would be a bit easier way to see stuff because you're not saying I'm a thing and I'm never and then I wouldn't stop being a thing. It's just I've always always something, and I'll always be something. Absolutely. And then at the moment I'm this thing, and then because I, I think it's the rise of individuality. We want to cling on to things yes. for as long as possible, but really we are just mutating and changing forms of energy, I guess. Yeah, and then I mean, and it's tricky because I think we have been sold the idea of the individual for so long now that in a, in a kind of quite a negative manner because you can't. It, it's very hard to get through life believing that you are it. Mm. You know, there was a when we when I worked at Mathbus, we used to put fake, uh, not fake, but things we'd read like these Mathbus moments we'd call them on the side of the boxes. <laughs> we had all kinds of weird stuff we put on there, and one of them was well, one of them was a, a Taoist phrase, which is "It's easier to run a buffalo off a cliff than to beat to death with a stick." It's actually <laughs> this this is printed on the side of. A, <laughs> <laughs> of, of, of a fiber space, and then uh, the other one was the, uh, every ego is the center of its own universe, which is you know, and and then and I think there's this thing where if you see the world as if it's you, and then everything around you as being not you, then you just you're always fighting against things. We just wanted to jump in and play you a little bit of music by Tomino, who did our incredible theme music. If you like the sound of it, then why not check out mountainfolk.co.uk. It's a side project that Tom works on with his friend from Denmark. This track is called Ship Set Sail, 
We're going to play a little bit and then be back with the show. Enjoy. We touched on your art being a public service earlier. Right, yeah. Um, much of your work is kind of activism, um, such as your Citizen of Nowhere t-shirts yeah. and badges. And you're free to download and distribute posters in opposition to the Tories and their policies. So do you come into any opposition with your political work? Um, I haven't, which it, it's... I'm not very... I'm really not confrontational, so it takes me quite a lot to do these kind of things. And then they are fairly polite, to say when I do do them, you know, um, but and there's the, a passion in them as well. There is, yeah. yeah. But there's there's kind of, but it also takes a lot of confidence to, you know, for a long time I wanted to do things like that, uh, like political edge things, but I didn't know enough about it. Or I didn't feel like I knew enough about it. But then when things happen, like the Tories get in again and Brexit, and suddenly you don't have to know everything about it because you're living in it. Mm. And um, you know, when I think even when the the Tories got in the second time. It's the first time people have started talking about politics in years. <laughs> like openly, like not in people who are just interested in it. But you go down the pub and you talk about it, and that's been happening now for the last. It hasn't been in that long, no. two or three years, and um, and so then so I started to feel I, I could do something, and even if it's small things. So I would say the citizen of nowhere badges and t-shirts. They seem to be a very small thing, but they're a reaction to Theresa May saying, you know, what she said about if you think yourself sits on the world, you're a citizen nowhere, which is a horrible xenophobic statement, completely out of touch with how the world is going and how we, how most people live their lives. Mm. And so I just think a little thing, and so I can do these little things. I don't do big gestures. The the downloadable posters, the open your eyes to Tory lies. I mean, they would, they're not even that good, but they would. But I just did them because if I didn't, then I I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you, but well, I, I regretted it probably. They were an immediate kind of yeah, reaction. Yeah, and I was doing that actually last year. Um, could it be only last year? I think it is. I was coming back from Belgium the, the first time I was there, and I was um, I just drew out the kind of ideas for it, and then I just thought, oh, I'm just going to do it. And then, but then people picked up on it. I mean, it was in the Guardian, which is yeah. really weird. And then I got a message, a letter from the, oh, the some some government company saying you you've got to have your details on these things. Wow. Okay. Um, else it's because it's seen as being printed uh, material. Wow. That's uh, used for elections. So the electoral. What I can't remember the called. They've, they've got a name that you can you hear mentioned on, yeah. and it's, so I go, oh, "Okay, I'll take them down." But actually, they wouldn't have done it. I think no, it's just a warning. And but you know, for next time now. Well, you? I'm not going to put my name on. <laughs> 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 also, I, I I wasn't publishing them. Other people were. 
printing them I mean, themselves. Yeah, so I was thinking, but then they trouble. said they have to uh, if if it's, if you're not printing them, they've got to print them. I put their name on them, and it's well, people aren't going to do that. No. Uh, and then, but if if it wasn't printing the Guardian, they'd, they'd have never known about that. Yeah, it wasn't. They're not checking my Instagram. Feed. Did you think it had some impact? Then did you get a good re- a good response from it it? it? it had a response. I mean, it was again. It was one of those things where, you know, it was a time, and then people were obviously doing things similar. I didn't know it, but but then you you realise afterwards that you do it, and and it was a reaction against the year before and everybody doing stuff on Instagram. Obviously, talking to. The converted, you know, preaching to the choir, whatever, and then, um, and I just thought, at least a poster goes in the public space, which means anybody can Absolutely. see it. And I, I didn't really have any. I didn't have much in the way of, like, um, anybody complaining about them, which probably meant nobody saw them. They didn't like them. I just had one person saying, "Oh, my, my dad wouldn't." Like these, or it wouldn't like it wouldn't make him uh, vote in a different way. So there's point; they're kind of pointless. And I was going, well, this was after the, the it's nicer interview, and I explained that they're not aimed at changing the yeah. people of like Tory voters' mind. It's more engaging young people, or just getting people to speak, or just doing anything really. And if you don't like them, do your own. Yeah. It's like you can't just moan about if you don't like it. Who cares? I mean, yeah, it's like that's absolutely. not. You, yeah. You're, well, I'll, I'll not do it then. Right. <laughs> yeah. well, oh, you, your dad. Yours. Okay. Yeah. Your dad doesn't like it. <laughs> well. Oh, sorry. I, I just won't do that then. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you, 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 but it. But yeah, they are kind of tame, really. But the. But people put them up. They. They went around the. the I, I saw people. Were, some yeah. people put uh, t-shirts out of them. Printed them, and. You know, for a short time there well, were the Citizens a, of Nowhere project was massive. That took off really. That kept selling out. Of, of, yeah, yeah. A lot of people uh, got those. Um, I think that just says a lot about how people think. You know, and it, it's it's again it's one of those times where people start wearing phrase, uh, you mm. know, phrases on t-shirts again. Whereas I think when people are in a happy, or at least being governed by uh, people who they. You know, don't hate. They just have pictures or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no t-shirts. To say to, to go around saying this is what I think, or or even to provoke some reaction from someone, uh, says something about the, the the climate. And so I did that, and I did a be kind one. Just again, that that's partly about a reaction against everybody saying we should love each other, and I, which I think is a bit of a unrealistic goal. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just a they, I mean, I know they, they they mean the same kind of things, but it's just this hey, we should all love each other and it's like, well, eh, it's a bit much, isn't it? I could do <laughs> I, mean, like, I could do probably whole shows about what love actually is oh, okay. what we think it is yeah. just because I think it's incredibly complex and we throw it around, but Yeah, and I think another, it's 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 kind of messy time. or it can be crazy, it can be but and it, and also really almost it can be suffocating and all kinds of weird things, but kindness is just—I mean, that it can be that too if you go too far. Well, kindness is an but, actual thing, though. Like, yeah. Love's really hard to quantify yeah, what yeah. it actually is. When you try and explain it, it almost disappears, like water in your hands. Yeah, but also you don't have to like someone to be kind to them. Absolutely. That's, that's my—you know—you just—it's just a gesture, and you—you you can be kind to people you don't know as well. Yes, which yeah. is important. Yeah, so you can't uh, love someone no. you don't know. That's a bit no, creep, well, be a bit creepy. Well, <laughs> you can watch them from afar and yeah. not know them. <laughs> I know everything about you. I've never met you. I feel like I know. You. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's little things 
like that and then have I, done, I haven't done this recently I just put, occasionally put things up um, I've got something I haven't put up yet it just says so it's the more I just phrases now I put up occasionally and one is the right is wrong but the left is lost because <laughs> I'm just thinking uh, <laughs> well I'm kind of I mean I, I'm just naturally left yeah, wing because I just care about people other than myself <laughs> and then uh, so I think they're right or wrong but then I do feel like the the left um, of, of politics is a little I, I'm not getting any guidance mm. at the moment and I don't really know it feels very it feels like we should be destroying the right the yeah. they are making a right yeah here and everything. It's ama- it's but amazing. instead it's just... I mean I, I was I was a fan of Jeremy Corbyn but he's like he's co- he's created problems for himself mm. and he's seems to be too stubborn to, to work his way out of it. Well, we've also got a media that constantly pecks and yeah. pulls down anybody and they find, find it really hard to pull him down. But yeah. my feeling is that we're still thinking about politics in 20th century terms. Yes. And I think it's a very different thing now. So what we're seeing is a sort of death throes of an old style of politics. Yeah. Something new is going to have to emerge. Or Well, I think yeah. that's 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 the kind of that's everything really I mean capitalism and just we're all we're living in a very sim, well an old way which where there was people who had everything and they would just give out little bits here and there and they could just tell us lies and we'd believe them and, <laughs> and we'd trust, trust people to do their jobs and now all of that's gone and we're in this kind of transitional period of the internet and everything mm. else and it's just a mess and it won't it won't be like that forever unless we as long as we don't blow it everybody up <laughs> <laughs> but you never know um but but if he doesn't i mean i don't think i'll be allowed to be around to see it, unfortunately but i but it'll settle down and it'll be something new i mean the, you know already the younger people see the world in a completely different way I think to the way i do a, a big evolutionary moment yeah, really yeah the way my kids brains are, are operating almost on a higher level yeah but in quicker bursts, so it's, yeah. it's not difficult. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I think it's going to be really curious as to what we evolve into, yeah. like m- mentally, the evolution is of the mind. Yeah, and we're just seeing lots of old farts, kind of like us, uh, but much more awful, uh, just <laughs> clinging to the twentieth century. Yes, and they don't understand. It's like your grandma trying to program a video. Yeah, in, yeah. In well, the, I mean, I, I've never been able to program it. <laughs> like, but it's, but yeah, it's always people. It's just fear, isn't it? It's always yeah. fear, and it's, and then fear leads to people doing bad things, but and just holding on to something that because they just think this is true. But then everybody believes mm. the time they live in is the right bit. But then they also have a little bit of no context. Yes. Yeah. So there's always that little bit of annoyance where they think they've invented something can but that's go. the arrogance of, well I was doing that 20 years ago yeah. wasn't I <laughs> yeah and you realise why people get a bit grumpy when they get older because you do see this yeah you're like, oh, the, 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 the repetition and everything just everything re- I thought repeats. was new when I was a kid was yeah. just all a lie and then you also you, you realise I was like, oh my god I must it must be so annoying for my parents like I was listening to you know really 60s influenced music and then my dad was a musician in the 60s <laughs> And and you thinking that you've oh you don't know what this is. It's like, oh you little Yeah. <laughs> and he Me just... dressing in like a mod suit that he like was the first kind of people to wear. Amazing. The, you know, but but that's just you know, the, the fact that buffalo shoes are coming back. You know, yeah. those big shoes. 
Flares are starting to make a bit well, of no, a I, I made I made a uh, I, I it's not written down anywhere, but I made a prediction about this at least a year ago, because and I said people you you don't think they're going to come back, but as soon as you see like shoes go higher, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and also they've got nowhere else to go. They've got yeah. they, they, they were they literally without going <laughs> under the skin, they can't get <laughs> get any tighter. So um, yeah, I did this. All the I mean, fashion's easy. You just say what. Isn't happening at the well, moment. Tw- I, I see it as a twenty-year <laughs> cultural cycle. So what yeah. we're about to see is like nineteen ninety style summer of love come about, come about all yeah. over again. But then because of the internet, everything's happening all at the same time. Forever. Yeah, well, that's it. But that's now. the weird thing is nothing goes away. Yeah. So whereas when I was growing up, if flares were in, that's all you could buy. Yeah. But now you can buy everything. Yeah. At all times. Yeah. And there's no, you know. And you can be into everything, and you can get all information at all time. So it's completely overwhelming, and also a bit soulless. Maybe ownership as a thing. Maybe that might even be over. We've got lots of subscription models. People not having physical things might even be a good thing long term. For, yeah. Well, but... I mean, that could if if we ever have like universal basic income or something like that, then that would allow for ownership to be less fraught, I guess. Because people now just go, well, that's my way I make money. But if you didn't have to make money out of the things, then maybe you'd be more willing to share them. Or not. I mean, I used to not share anything. But music-wise, I'd, me and my friends would just guard it and not... <laughs> you know, if you found something great, you just wouldn't, wouldn't go, oh, tell people. You just go... It's your own little secret. We'll keep this to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's very weird, but... Uh... Um, so we normally end on quick fire round. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Today's not going to be any different. All right, still well, still going to go for it. Uh, it's good. So Dan's so, uh, up first. Hello. Uh, which idea do you wish you'd thought of? Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> How quick fire is? We've still, we've still <laughs> not managed to get like great. You've got thirty seconds. Really uh, <laughs> what? Would, oh, water. <laughs> <laughs> I was going big. I'm like, that's, that is pretty big. Yeah, it's that bit ego driven. Like, basically, a bit like God. I will. Uh, other than that, uh, a pencil. That's a, that's a yeah. good answer. Yeah. Water or a pencil. <laughs> Get a long way with those two things. Yeah. Um, could you be persuaded to record and release an album of typographic songs? Possibly. Um, <laughs> probably not that hard to persuade me. Um, I. <laughs> I do have a friend, um, Jim, Mr. B, the Gentleman Rhymer. Oh, yeah. Uh, He's down in Brighton. He is down in Brighton, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've known him for years, and he has offered to add a certain amount of orchestration to oh, my songs. So to we haven't organised it, but, um, but yeah, because he can, he can play everything and put everything together. So all I have to do is sing out a tune in the way I normally do and... So yeah, maybe. I mean, it's uh, we did speak about it and got very excited about it, and then we didn't do anything. But um, but they usually have like visual gags. That's the problem. So it'd have to be more videos. But anyway, maybe. Well, we'll work out the yeah, details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get yeah. the contracts sent. Yeah. <laughs> and so, if there was an, one artist you could bring back from the dead, who would it be? Oh. Um. Ivor Cutler. I think he's uh, 
Although he's really grumpy, he was grumpy. <laughs> but, um, I think he might be but, grumpy but, that you brought him back from the dead. It might be. I think he, he seems like he, he was. Uh, he was. I remember kind of seeing him live, and he was. He's a mem- he was a member of the Noise Abatement Society. So when anybody clapped, he'd put his fingers <laughs> in his ears. We <laughs> go. Um, but you know, it's just selfishly, it'd be nice for him to still be making things or see him again. And then the last question, a little bit more serious. Can art save the world? Um, in itself, no. But as part of everything else, uh, yes, I guess. Or, I mean, we can only save our own world. I mean, it's a big question. Um, I used to do a, have a thing which was about uh, this, um, there's always something that will benefit from your mistakes, which was me getting a bit annoyed with people going on about us destroying the world and I was going we're probably we're probably not going to destroy the world we might make it we might destroy it for us but something else will love it. When, we, when we're gone way <laughs> they can have a great time you know we're, so a lot of my earlier drawings were all about like this post-human world of bursting into life in a kind of like Woohoo, they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it does feel like sometimes the earth's trying to shake us off like a you know flea on a dog's yeah. back or something. But um so I think making people see the world in a um a new way. Which is not even a new way, just a, just nothing's changed. We're not different. Uh, you know, whenever I read books from the past, they're all we're all dealing with exactly the same problems, just it's all just put together in a different, different way. So, I think I think things need to come back. I think art needs to be taken seriously again. I think philosophy needs to be taken seriously again because I've I've seen lots of interviews with scientists who say philosophy is rubbish and pointless, and it's like, but you know, science in itself can't tell me how to feel. <laughs> Science emerges from a type of philosophy. Yes, anyway. of course it does, yeah. So so I've I've always been a bit annoyed with this kind of stranglehold of the physicist facts based um or, or, or kind of the way that it's a you know, well, there's no god, so don't worry or so well I, I am going to die and like that like I can't my brain can't work that out. <laughs> like, yeah. I can't imagine not being here and I am here. And just telling me that, oh, it's all right. <laughs> don't, worry, don't worry about it. It's like, okay, that's not going to... I can't not worry about it. So, um, yeah, I think all those things need to... All, everything needs to come together, doesn't it? It's like you can't just say art's no longer needed because it's obviously integral to hu- what we are as human beings. Science make, is very necessary. Um, every, it's all this. So art and everything else. And us. <laughs> Not us three. <laughs> Everyone together. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's it's been amazing. Thank you so much. That's okay. It's been wonderful. And, uh, there you go. Oh, yeah. you've, you, you've been wonderful. We think, we think you're wonderful. Oh, nobody ever tells me that. I never get one of those prints. <laughs> Everybody else. Um, yeah, and thanks so much for letting us invade and take up your time. That's okay. It's been fun. Thanks very much for listening to the show. We've got some really incredible stuff coming up in September, so make sure to go follow us on Instagram. Like and subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud, and tell your friends if you're enjoying it. We'll be back next month with more ideas. Bye.